to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Digital Transformation is about so much more than technology. It's about refocusing on people and value. It's about leveraging technology to build more meaningful relationships and enabling and empowering our associates, building engagement and giving them the tools and opportunity to do what they do best and even do it better. It's about culture, relationships, and tools that can unlock customer obsession in an organization. It drives innovation and responsiveness that propels your organization and delights your stakeholders, creating and building relationships founded on value, creation, and delivery. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. I think we got a really great show today. I'm excited about the way these two next guests really sort of feed each other. Exactly. I mean, we got Sid and Pashan on today, and they're going to be sharing their secrets of what this kind of challenge or change really means in the digital transformation world. They're going to have great stuff. And also, Prashan, who's actually going to be the second guest, talks about his real structure strategy that he rolls out for people. So everybody listening is not going to want to miss that. I agree. We're going to also hear from a couple of sponsors. Andrew Kingery is going to be back with a couple of his 20 laws of value creation. Let's go ahead and get going. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Today, we're happy to have Sid Rao join us to talk about digital transformation from his experience. He's been out doing this and has a lot of interesting perspective to share with us. So thanks for joining us, Sid. Thanks, Jack. Hey, everyone. This is Sid Rao. I am the Chief Information Officer for Oxygen, um, which is a human tissue company based out in Florida. I'm also the co-founder for Flare First, a consulting firm focused on digital transformation and digital marketing based out in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I started my career as a programmer after completing my master's in computer engineering from Utah State. And then over the years, I moved into the IT solution architecture and enterprise architecture space before going back to schools to pursue my MBA in technology management at Boston University. During my MBA, I founded a VC-backed marketing startup, which I sold after four years. And since then, I've been on the consulting side of the shop, taking different size engagements for various management and leadership roles around strategy. Today, I'm going to talk about the most common perception gap, as I see, about the definition of digital transformation that's prevalent with most small and medium businesses. So according to Gartner, they published their research last year, which said that digital transformation is the number one area of priority and investment for most CIOs um, for over 2,000 companies. And about 1,200 companies out of the 2,000 was from the United States, the rest from the rest of the world. So the leadership team of every company, independent of size, may have heard the words digital transformation today. It's no surprise. But their perception and the variance in that definition differs broadly in, in terms of what it takes to create a strategic roadmap that would then fit with the overall goals of the company. In my experience and all the conversations that I've had, most of them see digital transformation as a stack of IT tools or systems that once you just go and install it and push the go button, magic starts happening. Well, the reality is uh, digital transformation is more about defining the processes, um, the people and the journey. Digital transformation is not a destination, it's a journey. And then the right mix of tools, systems, and dollars are is something that encompasses that, that whole ecosystem. 
Ted, let me ask you this, and I appreciate you jumping in there and starting off like that. That's this, those are great explanations, and you answered yeah. I think, a lot of the questions that we were going to ask you, but, uh, <laughs> which is really good on the front end. Is there like a general rule of thumb that it's got to be this large of a company, whether it be sales or you know employees, or how, how do you look, how do you gauge that to say, okay, this is this is the kind of client we need? Um, absolutely. So there's there's two or three different buckets I would classify, independent of the the domain or the industry vertical. Um, the, the first KPI I'd use is uh, if a company has less than five to ten million dollars in annual revenue, and if it's if it's not profitable, um, it's a different conversation. That does not mean they can't do digital transformation. It's just that uh, the way they account for dollars is very different um, versus companies that are profitable and that fall in that range. And then bucket two would be companies that are falling more in the 20 to $30 million revenue range, um, irrespective of whether they're profitable or not, because usually at that stage, they're funded by private equity or they're, they're public. And then category three is any company north of $100 million in revenue. If they're not doing digital transformation, they're in trouble, I'd say. So let's take that for a second. So if they're not doing digital transformation, they're in trouble um, at that level. Now, when you go in there and you, you do the analysis, what exactly are you tightening up for them? When you, t- when you hear this word of digital or phrase of digital transformation being thrown around, when you go into the company, what exactly are you looking at or, or the holes that you're trying to fill for them? So the first question I go in and ask them is, if you were to reimagine your business processes, how would those be? And are you ready to center everything around data? Are you truly ready to be a data-driven organization? And when I ask that question, the response I expect or the expected outcome is for them to come back and say that, yes, we are ready to be a data-driven organization. Our people, our company understands what does it mean to be a data-driven organization. And 95% of the times, they have no idea what does it truly mean to be a data-driven organization. To me, the necessity to to have a unified voice about being a data-driven organization is a precursor to even start reimagining digital transformation. So when they're going in there, now, does this also encompass, like, you taking a look at not only helping with the data piece of it, are you also taking a look at the social media uh, programs they have there? Are you looking at the overall yes. scope of anything Internet-based? Um, absolutely. So essentially, I look at everything that transacts data, be it internal or external. I look at their ERP systems. I look at their marketing systems, the tools and technologies they use. But most importantly, I look at the way they're keeping data and any KPIs they establish to leverage that data. That's where most gaps exist. Almost all of them would keep some sort of data, but it's extremely unstructured. And that's when we start getting into the details of how do we want to start making sense of this? What's what's your customer base? What sort of data is important for you? And at what point in time do we say that, okay, we have something statistically significant to even start drawing insights from it? Absolutely. That is one of the best summaries, certainly uh, from a very succinct and spot on target perspective. I want to dig in just a little bit on the data driven component, because I think a lot of folks will hear that and think, well, okay, does that mean that I need to have Hadoop or am I talking about big data stuff? And, And while that certainly can be a part of it. And growing as we see more of the Internet of Things begin to to permeate our businesses and culture and experiences. But I think stepping back and looking at the way we usually assess whether an organization is ready to implement DevOps or 
how good their implementation is or where they may have challenges and opportunities in using the COMS acronym of culture, automation, lean, measurement, and sharing. That measurement piece is, is where this begins, and it feels deceptively simple at first, but I think, to your point, it's about establishing these mechanisms to have the kind of data that will enable us to make decisions and to see if the results or the outcomes are what we anticipated. And one of the things that I have been a big fan of is the approach that began with Bell Labs in their telephone network infrastructure, but was really popularized by Netflix with their tool Chaos Monkey that they released in the early 2000s that injects faults into their network so that they can practice and build resilience and skill in in being able to do that. So to be able to use data to understand cause and effect relationships and the impacts becomes a very powerful tool and enables us to apply some of the concepts of lean. Did we actually get the kind of results that we're looking for? And by measuring them and being able to have this data-driven approach to the way we look at how we operate, the results that we get, et cetera, I think is the part that may seem difficult for folks to wrap their heads around, at least those folks that haven't come from a lean background. Does that kind of match with what you were thinking? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of data, um, there's, there's way too much data out there, right? So if you don't know what you're looking for, it's very easy to get lost. So like you rightly alluded to, unless people understand what they're looking for and they identify how do you go about developing the culture, actions, the KPIs that you want to measure. There's, there's no point driving down that path because you don't know where you're going. Yeah, the KPIs are the, the key performance indicators become those measurements that we pay the most attention to. What are those things that are the most important to us? And how is it actually going? Almost like the dashboard on our cars. We need to understand how things are operating in addition to where are we, where are we going, etc. Exactly, exactly. And I, I just wanted to touch on the topic of available tools, right? So so in, in this day and age, the market is just exploding out there uh, when it comes to SaaS-based solutions or or tools and technology that assists with big data or IoT, for that matter. I'm actually going to be at a conference next week for marketing technology stack. And uh, I, I started doing some research and figured out in 2011, the number of companies that were tracked in the small and medium businesses sector as technology tools that were available for, for marketing technology was about 150 Today, that's 7,040. And this is not startups. These are established tools that have some big brand names out there. So that's like a 5,000 times growth in eight years. And this exists pretty much across all business functions. You talk sales, you talk marketing, you talk R&D, you talk supply chain, manufacturing, you name it. But that, that's the day and age we live in. So when we talk about data and we talk about tools, again, there's just too much out there and it's, it's growing at the speed of light. Sure. In both cases, we could say that we're drowning in data as we search for information. And the the explosion of tools, and, and one of the things I really like is what we've seen in the growth of open source tools. Mm -hmm. While tools are an essential part of this, they're not the main event. So I want to be clear on that. But the other part that people sometimes get lost in, I think, is they want to know, well, what's the best tool? 
And to your point about the explosion and the growth of the, the numbers of tools, there are so many tools out there that I think the challenge now becomes finding the one that best suits your needs. And exactly. the opportunity of finding something that is open source, out of the box, if you will, that works with very minimal, ideally only configuration changes and not actually source code changes is the best solution as opposed to specifying a particular vendor or source, et cetera. And I don't think we can get that message out there strongly enough. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more. And uh, in, in this day and age, it would be it would be stupid to assume that something would need custom development. Almost everything that you need exists out there. So here's, here's, yeah, here's a statement I would make. If anyone comes and asks me, can you do something? My response would be, we can do anything you want, but we can't do everything. So as long as you can define what you need, we can get it done with, with something out of box, you know? Right. Absolutely. I used to tell my developers, don't code anything from scratch or I'll have to fire you. Go out there and find it and make it your own. Exactly. Super. Thank you so much. Sure. Standing on Shoulders, a leader's guide to digital transformation. Written by Jack Marr and Carmen Diardo. On behalf of everyone who tries to improve the business outcomes of the technology work we do every day, I applaud the efforts taken and the writing of this book so others can replicate their amazing outcomes. This book fulfills the promise of documenting their journeys and lessons learned and showing how the promise of creating world-class technology organizations can be within the reach of everyone. Gene Kim. Get your copy of Standing on Shoulders, A Leader's Guide to Digital Transformation at Amazon.com or at Barnes & Noble or at your favorite bookseller. Hi, this is Andrew Kingery with the Whitestone Consulting Group. In the next 60 seconds, I want to inspire you to be more intentional and effective at creating value. I'm covering the 20 laws that govern value creation two at a time. The law of linking says to the degree what you are doing is linked to helping others gain on their goals or solve problems in the way of their goals is to the degree you will be influential. But these links are not always easily visible. And I want to encourage you to be intentional about making sure what you are doing is strongly linked to helping others gain on their goals or solve problems in their way. Every recommendation has a useful, finite time window. This is the law of timing and value creation. Have you ever heard a person recommend a change after it's been presented as final? The next time you have a recommendation that is past the useful time window, write it down and look for the next opportunity to use it or a better time to learn from it. I'm Andrew Kingery, and this is Two Laws of Value Creation in 60 Seconds. If you want to hear more, head over to valuepractitioner.com. So Sid kind of set up the boundaries for us there. Next, Prashant is going to join us and take it down to an even more actionable and practical level. All right, Prashant, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. 
today we're happy to have Prashant Zaveri with us. We're going to talk about digital transformation and a couple different perspectives. Prashant has a lot of experience in this area in a diverse set of clients. And so we're really interested in, in hearing more about what you've been doing, Prashant. Welcome. Hey, Prashant, how are you? It's good to have you here. So let's start off by getting our audience to really understand from your perspective and your experience, how is the most simplistic way that you would describe this phrase digital transformation to us? As uh, Jay and Jack, you both know, digital is the word that's in everyone's mind and everyone has got different definition of the word. From my experience and my perspective, digital is when we bring together all the new set of technologies, cloud, analytics, data, and transform the way the businesses are doing the work today and leverage it to build a new set of tools. So that's what uh, I call it a digital world where we are changing the way uh, the IT is understood and used in the business. Are there certain specific types of companies or, or size companies that are, are really a good fit for this? And what, what would be some examples of those? So digital started with uh, big companies which had big budgets and mostly a consumer-facing companies uh, that were interacting with consumers and changing the way the website and how they communicate with the customers. But what I've seen in my experience in the recent years is that digital can be applied across the supply chain, across the organization, be it a Fortune 500 company or a 10% shop. A local pizzeria can also use the same techniques of uh, digital to reach out to the newer audience that a Fortune 500 giant like Domino's might be using to attract new customers. And so let's talk about the small 10-person 10, 10 pizza shop or something along those lines. So what would they be using that for? How would this all integrate? Would it tie in their social media, how to capture their lead structures, register on the computer, how to do online ordering? I mean, is it all of that? Yes, it's it's more about building the brand and connecting with the customers, not only in the intake part of it where the, there's a brand awareness from the local consumer on, uh, it goes to the both the supply chain of how they're sourcing the materials from the local, keeping the inventory of the stuff they've got, as well as delivering the experience. So uh, once they deliver service to their customers, capturing the feedback and make sure that they're improving on the feedback and uh, getting the best out of it. It's the complete chain of what they do, not only from the consumer perspective, but on the operations, on the supply chain, on the maintaining inventories, the employee base, and so on. It's a really good distinction. A lot of folks get really wrapped up in what channel or, or which way are we facing. And the fact that presenting information, we're uh, enabling feedback and, and flow of information really in a 360-degree environment. It's every bit as much for our associates as it is for our customers, and it pervades every part of our business, and, and I'm glad you, you brought that up. And the other part, that it's really about developing that connection and enabling folks. Those are the key parts. And so the contemporary tools enable that, but it's not really about the tools. It's about what we do with them. What would you say is the, the biggest stumbling blocks to folks getting started? So, you know, I know we talked a little bit about it works across all different kinds of, of organizations and different sizes of organizations. But sometimes there's one thing that we see consistently across different client types that they have to get their head wrapped around that they need to be prepared for. They need to understand is usually like the first place to start. Have you seen that kind of consistency with your clients? Yes, I've seen a uh, similar kind of the challenges that client face. And uh, you bought the right thing about tools. Most of the 
time, all the customers, they go to the industry conference, they learn about new technologies in the newspapers and the magazines, and they get themselves hung up on the tools part of it, the new buzzword, uh, so to say. So if the buzzword is the mobile, they want to do mobile. If the buzzword is DevOps, they want to do DevOps. If the newest mm-hmm. buzzword is uh, cloud, they want to do cloud. And then right. the recent the buzzword is AI. So everyone wants to implement AI in their businesses. Now, what they f- after a few years of implementation and failed projects is they are still stuck in the same old process and they don't leverage or realize the benefit that these tools and technologies bring to them. The stumbling block comes in the people and the process part of how they implement it. Unless you change your business processes to match what the newer technology allows you to do, you will still be doing a same old uh, stuff and same old process with just a newer tool, and it doesn't work like that. When you implement right. a new tool or new technology, you have to change the way you do business. People get lost on uh, the tools, so unless they change their process, they will not be able to leverage the best benefit that new tools and technologies bring to their businesses. Absolutely right, too, and it's 100%. Folks, you know, have sort of gotten used to, although it was never the right idea, you know, that we can throw money and technology at it and we don't have to do anything else. And you're absolutely right. This is really the time and place when business processes need to be reconsidered because the tools become a distraction. They're the bright, shiny object. But really, the the main game here is around changing our culture, changing our behaviors, developing the relationships with both employees and with customers. So that's all around business process. It's all around enabling folks. So you're right. Um, and, and that's the same thing I see is that folks want to jump right into the tools because it's somewhat easy and not so much into processes and culture because that is hard. Sounds hard. <laughs> but that, right. It really does. Can you give us an idea? I know, I know you gave us a scope of the types of industries, but can you give us an idea of what your ideal client would look like that you would want to work with? Yes, my ideal client would be in a small to medium-sized uh, company in a, a business process or an IT functional leader who is trying to transform their businesses. And when I say transform, they already tried implementing some of the technologies and they are failing to realize the benefit or value of that technology. So I go to these customers and my clients and help them figure out why they are not able to leverage the benefit of the digital and help them move their existing data and processes to newer set of tools as well as technologies along with the process transformation, people transformation. When you actually start, and again, just to help me through the process, with these people that have not embraced the digital transformation and now starting to come in the forefront, what's it generally like? Do you meet with them in person or is, is there like an initial call over the phone to try to do an analysis? And how, what's that process look like? It typically starts with a, a discovery phone call where we understand what their business problem and challenges are. And then it takes a deeper half-day workshop session to see what they've implemented, where the things are failing. Uh, before we come up with a roadmap of uh, eight weeks of assessment and discovery and strategy of what they should be doing. So as part of the process, we go in and interview all the stakeholders and learn about the existing challenges and get candid with them where they are failing, go to the customers and see why they are not realizing the benefit, and then go back to see and suggest them 
what are the best practices in industry and how it can be leveraged to that particular scenario. So not, not everything applies apple to apple to each of the scenarios, but we can help them to see uh, how other companies have successfully overcome the similar challenges in terms of applying transformation. One of the big challenges that I've seen every single time is data, where all the clients, uh, they've got using old database and they don't have a consolidated view of the data source. And that's the being a challenge of leveraging a digital transformation. So we go to the client, understand what their different data sources are and help them out, build a single data repository uh, that can be leveraged to build analytics, AI, and other uh, latest generation of uh, technologies on top of it. That's interesting. I hadn't really uh, seen that part yet, but what you say makes absolute sense. And so that might be another thing for us to consider as we look at what we need to prepare for for digital transformation, that single source of truth or the consolidated information that gives us the better view of the total experience. I like that. In order for folks to get started on this, so a lot of folks that will be listening to this are trying to figure out where and how they get started. And I think we've given them a couple of good clues, but chances are they're going to need some help. Um, Is that something that you're available and ready to do for folks? Yes. Uh, As of now, I work with a management consulting firm uh, called North Island, and we've uh, help small and medium-sized companies work on doing digital transformation, process management, and technology transformations across their organization. So what's the best way for folks to uh, find and get a hold of you? So you can uh, just contact me LinkedIn or LinkedIn or, or on my phone number and email addresses, and uh, you can reach out and we can start the conversations right away. Great. Well, we'll also have your contact information uh, in the show notes for folks to refer to. And we certainly appreciate your time and, and sharing this information with us. Any last words? It's just about getting started with the digital transformations. Customers should look forward to doing that. Uh, don't get hung up on the tools. Uh, just go with the start the transformation and it will get easier from there. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Prashant. Thank you. just so fortunate in these folks stepping up and sharing their experiences and ideas. And, you know, I really feel like there's a lot of value in what they're sharing with us. Tons of value. And this is really the wave of the future. And you can obviously tell by hearing both these gentlemen today that everybody's really want to, regardless of the size of your business, maybe that's a 10-man pizza shop, you know, you're going to have to wrap your head around digital technology in today's world. So I think it was a great show. I really loved it. I hope everybody enjoyed the show because we most certainly did on this end. And we'll see you next time. This has been Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. We sure appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.